0: Hello and welcome to Episode 9 of The Brand Lounge, a place for unfiltered conversations on big topics for small businesses. I'm Tammy Heels, founder of Shadowcat Creative, where I'm a personal brand coach and designer, and I help small businesses to define their brand and achieve their version of success. Today, I'm joined by the delightful Claire Ransom, who is founder of Lazy Flora, an online plant boutique and subscription service. And today, we're going to be talking about building a brand with heart-focused values. Thank you so much for joining me today, Claire.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me on. I'm so pleased to be here. Thanks, Tammy.
0: Absolutely brilliant. So I think probably to kick it off, I like to start by defining what it is that we're talking about. So how would you define kind of heart-focused values and what does that mean to you as a business?
1: Oh, I love that question. And I didn't realize I was creating a heart-centered brand until I was already well down the road of doing it. I think heart centered means that you are putting passion into a brand, um, that you really put emotion into what you're creating and that you have at the very core of what you're doing, you have like you're aware of what emotions you want to provoke in your customers and and you want them to love what you're doing. Yes. So that for me is is kind of what I hope to be creating with Lazy Flora. Um, and we're definitely, yeah, definitely far, far down the road of like building something like that.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think adding into that the customer-centric and always having the customer at the front at the front and center and at the core of everything that you're doing, that passion needs to be directed in their benefit almost as much as it is yours. Um, And as we were just about to say off air before I caught myself so we could actually record this conversation, is when I was working in the corporate world, there were corporates that I worked for who said that they were heart-centered. But I found it very hard to believe that with some of the work that I was asked to produce because it always felt like it was profit-based or almost driven by circumstance rather than what would the customer want it was more what can we do mhm yeah oh that's so familiar to me as well
1: yeah <laughs> i've definitely lived that experience and for most of my life actually um you know it's only the last 3 years or 4 years since i quit my job um but the last 4 years that i've been working for myself and have had to unprogram all of that work, all of that expectation. And that's why I didn't really know what a heart-centered brand was, because I've never been part of that world, like never been exposed to it, never heard anyone say the term heart-centered or Mm. heart-focused. So it's, it's, yeah, for me, it's been quite a journey of discovering what that is um, and accidentally creating a heart-centered brand without (laughs) knowing what that
0: was. (laughs) That's brilliant. I think that, I think that it's almost easier for a small business owner to fall into a heart-focused brand without realising it, whereas corporates work so hard to be one and struggle. Um, Uh I think it's just, I don't know whether it's a a size thing. I don't know whether it's just however many people you have in that chain between what you want to do and actually the executable side of it. Um, But yeah, I find that when I started out, and I'm, I'm, I'd love to know if you can relate to this, but I still had such a corporate mindset because that's all that you're used to. is kind of what are the deliverables? How do I get this out into the world? When actually, it's is this of benefit to my customer? How would my customer like to receive this? And it's that little flip, I think, between how do we deliver this and how do we deliver this for them. Mm.
1: Yeah, I think I think that part of the reason I struggled with being in the corporate world towards the end of my time in the corporate world was I had that view and I was like, I can see what I, I think the customer will be looking for or what we can do to really delight the customer. But for X, Y, Z bureaucratic reasons, we're not going to do that or we can't do that. And that just felt like that's not what I wanted to be part of. I wanted to be part of like surprising and delighting people. Um,
0: yeah, absolutely. And I think also, it's not just saying that you're a heart focused business and it's not just saying, well, you know, we're thinking about the customer. It's also living that through every member of the business, which is a lot easier when it's just you, let's be honest. And it's a lot easier if it's just you and you're outsourcing to one other person or a couple of other people. But when you're in the corporate world, I feel like it's almost, um, so me where I was in a production role, So there was management and scheduling and directors and everything else above that were dealing with this high-end strategy. And it was more, right, we're going to be having this customer-focused offer, but then every person under that took it on a strategic level. So by the time it got to production, all of that heart had just been kind of left by the wayside along the way. Um, And I feel like it's much easier as a small business owner to keep that heart going.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. And that's, for me, is like one of the challenges for the future of Lazy Flora. It's like, how do we keep that going? How do we keep that deep, close connection to our customers as strong as it is now? How do we make it even better? How do we like build it so it gets bigger and stronger and not like doesn't tail off um, as the business grows? So yeah, it's something that I'm thinking about a lot.
0: So I, I'm really curious to know, what was the point when you were like, oh, this is a heart-focused business. This is what it is. <laughs> so,
1: yeah, I think um, it was when I, I I met an entrepreneur. Her name is Ginny Krauss. Um, I lived in Munich in Germany for a little while. And she talked about heart-centered brands, and she referred to Lazy Flora as a heart-centered brand. And I was like, what? that and I you know I was quite good friends with her at this point and she was um I think she was working as a brand um coach as well at some point um so she was quite tuned into to stuff like that and hearing people in that world which was very new to me at the time talk about what i Built as a heart-centered brand was like, oh, that's cool, because I could see all these people around me as well. Like I was in this little circle of female entrepreneurs who'd all built these amazing businesses, but their their businesses were all service-based businesses, and I could see that all their businesses were very heart-centered and very. They were all so passionate about what they were doing, and to me that was very easy connection. Like heart-centered, you know, they just built this beautiful concept and they were executing on it really well. Um, but I hadn't thought of my business in the same terms I don't know why but it was just yeah just one day when this term was mentioned and I was like oh that's a brilliant I'm very flattered to think that someone would call my business that but yeah and I'm very flattered to that you have noticed that about my business without me ever having said anything about it as well
0: I think that that's also key is the fact that you you can sit there and tell everyone that you're a heart-focused business but you need to live up you need to practice what you (laughs) do yeah yeah (laughs) And I think it's really interesting what you said there, and I'd love to kind of circle around back to that, which is that there are. it's easy to identify a heart-centered business when it's service-based because it's very much a relationship-based business. Like the work that I do with the clients that I work with as a service-based business, it's not just a transaction. I'm not just providing them with a product or an end result. It is a relationship and it's, it's a longer term of contact almost so it's in yeah it's really interesting that it took someone else to point out and it's wonderful that you've managed to kind of exude that customer focus as a product-based business as well because I think it really is harder yeah
1: and I I really hope that that I can continue with that um and that in a year or two years from now that you'll still think the same thing about lazy flora and if you don't Please like call me out on it because that means something needs to change. <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> I think that I think that if you if it's something that you're concerned about, it will never kind of fade. I think that you're going to be on top of that all the time because it's in it's in the core of your business. Um, so since it was identified, since you were identified and started to identify with the term of being a heart focused business. Um, is there anything in particular that you feel that you do to really lean into that is there anything that you do to amplify those values
1: yeah I mean it's not done with the goal of being a heart-centered business that that is it really is just a byproduct of everything else that goes into building a business I think Um, instinct like listening to my instincts Mm -hmm. has really come to the fore when building a business like if you've got any doubt about A particular relationship or hiring a particular person or working with a particular person or introducing a particular product or this particular message in an email that you're going to send to your customers if you've got any doubts that it's the right thing or if you've got some little voice in your head or in your gut telling you that is not going to work or it's not going to land right listen to it because it's right almost all the time and sometimes you've got a little voice saying don't do that and it's fear so like learning to understand the difference between fear and instinct that's pulling you in the right way is also quite a difficult balance but Mm -hmm. yeah I think follow your gut and if you are kind of quite a passionate person then the fact that you you will end just naturally end up building a heart-centered business as as a kind of byproduct of that
0: yeah um I would love to know is there a particular time you can think of where you had to work out whether it was the fear or the instinct that was kicking in with you (laughs) all
1: the time (laughs) all the time yeah I mean some of the scariest things are to do with like investment into the business at what point do you invest more heavily in packaging or branding at what point do you introduce a new product at what point when you're feeling so overwhelmed as a business owner and you know you need help and you know you need support when do you hire that first person or that next person even though you feel like you can't afford it or you can't like find a budget for it, the, all those kinds of questions, there's always fear versus what is the right thing that's going to ha- help build the business for the future. So yeah, it's, it's not an easy balance. and There's no like fast way of finding the answer, but eventually you learn to like, the more you listen to your instinct, the better you get at listening to your instinct. Mm-hmm. But at least that's how it feels for me.
0: Yeah, brilliant. I think when it comes to investment, I think that must be quite a tricky thing to navigate when it comes to fear and instinct, not just because it's finances, but also because, again, it goes back to that transactional versus that heart feeling, that heart focus. So is there a way that you choose your finance methods I don't want to dig too deep into like your specific finances, obviously, but is there a way that you decide on the investment side that still feels aligned with that kind of customer centric view? Or is it just? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, every situation is different. I'm thinking, for example, like at what point, an example for me was at what point do I invest in Facebook ads? Because I knew that Facebook ads would be huge for this business. And and I, I, and I was right. Um, but the barrier to entry with Facebook ads is really high because from a technical expertise point of view, it's very difficult to implement. You can't just go in as a layperson, not knowing anything about Facebook ads and instantly get successful pay, Facebook ads. It Basically, it won't work. You'll end up just burning a ton of cash and you'll end up with poor results in the end and your confidence will be knocked and you'll be several thousand pounds worse off. Um, you have to properly go forward and invest and you have to hire somebody who you trust to do a good job. So that is like, it's a really chunky financial investment. um, And you have no guarantee that it's going to work. You have no guarantee you're going to find the right person to run the Facebook ads, who's going to care enough about getting the right results for your business. Um, You don't know, there are so many variables in that situation. You know, there, there are opportunities for it to go wrong every step of the way. Um, and you just have to be prepared that you're going to make some mistakes. If you make a big financial decision, you've got to be prepared to kind of deal with the consequences as well. Um, and part of that is like fine tuning stuff. So if it doesn't work the first time, it doesn't mean it doesn't work. You just got to keep nibbling away at it little bit by little bit and learn more and more what works like does this creative work how do people respond to this piece of copy or this line um, or this funnel of ads um, and just keep working at it but it's scary it's scary as hell it doesn't stop being scary
0: (laughs) it almost feels I think it almost feels more scary because it is because it's your, it's your core and it, this is part of what comes from being a personal brand as well. And although you aren't, Lazy Flora isn't necessarily a personal brand, there is so much of you that's in there that when it does come to putting your values out there, it can feel quite intimidating because it's like you put, you are literally putting your heart out there in this business form. Um, I find it, Really interesting that you've brought that up though around the strategy side, because I feel like there's a bit of a misconception that if you're a heart-focused business, then you can't be strategic. And I disagree with that so, so hard that any business can be strategic and it doesn't mean that you have to diminish that heart center. It's all about being strategic in a way that is still true to that core nature of your business. And do you find that that's something that you have developed along the way or is it something that's just you've you've just kind of found has happened anyway
1: um oh, that's a great question and I really completely agree with you about the strategy point like you can be a heart center business and be really freaking smart about it as well mm. the, for me the thing that's pulled me forward so whenever there's that really difficult strategy point or you you know something isn't going according to plan just because you're a heart-centered business, it doesn't mean you shy away from that. It Actually, the thing that's dragging you forward and pulling you forward with more power than any other, like, than a non-heart-centered business, I think, would feel, is just knowing that it matters so much that this works and it will work, and it's going to work spectacularly well if you crack it. And, and having that vision, like the longer-term vision of what you want for this brand and what you want for yourself and your life um, yeah, that that I think is actually a stronger pull than a barrier, than, than all these hurdles can prove to be a barrier, yeah.
0: if that makes sense. No, it does. It absolutely makes sense. And something that you said there about using your heart-focused business to build the life that you want, so using that to create the life that you're looking at doing, I feel, again, it's something where heart-focused businesses tend to shy away from looking at their personal goals that they want to achieve through businesses as well. In my experience of the customers and clients that I've worked with, because they're worried that if they're focusing on creating the goals and hitting the goals that they want to hit, whether they're financial or whatever, then by doing that, you're no longer a heart-centered business because you're making it about you. So how do you... um, have you found it difficult to set big goals that you wanted to and using your business to drive you there or is it just kind of you you created that business in this way to get you there
1: that's quite a hard question for me to answer i think i from the with lazy flora from the start i knew it was a huge concept and i knew it had potential to be huge and i i still have very clearly the vision of what i want to build with this we're still right at the beginning um, yeah and I, I and it, you know that is a really ambitious target like it is really ambitious but it doesn't mean it's any less loving or caring and it doesn't mean that I can't build that around what I want for my life as well
0: does that answer the question yeah no absolutely and I think that that's wonderful I think that um I think that building a heart-centric business is something that from from the experiences that I've seen and the businesses that I follow, generally, they'll have maybe a slightly smaller audience, but they'll have such a more engaged and such a more, well, like a loving environment and such a, a bigger relation, a deeper relationship with their customers, because you are connecting on a level that's that much further down than just a transaction. Um, and I think, to be honest, that Setting it up as a subscription service has probably led into that because your your customers are committed not just through finances for month by month, but also through that connection. There's that deeper commitment. Whereas a one-off transaction, I think it's almost harder to keep that connection going.
1: Yeah, it could be. Yeah, is it is one. It was one of my concerns about the business from the very start like do we do subscriptions because for me it was easy I wanted subscriptions in my life so that was like a no-brainer but there's always been this like slight battle in my head about whether or not we do individual plans because is uh, is that what our audience is looking for Mm -hmm. are we going to attract people who who don't value the brand or don't hold the brand as close to their hearts as we want them to and therefore don't come back like these are all and yeah and actually we've done some research recently, which is is starting to show us that people who are not subscribers um, come back as frequently as subscribers. So that's pretty interesting.
0: That's amazing. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So that was interesting. That's fantastic. And I love the fact that that's a consideration in different business models within your business as well. Um, and how you can reach more people who are still kind of your ideal cl- your ideal customer or the right customer for your business, but aren't necessarily the subscription type. Because I I get yeah. it. I get that not everyone absolutely is.
1: yeah absolutely I, I can see that as well. <clears throat> um, yeah, and it's been really interesting to kind of see that difference and maybe the customers that we're attracting now that we've got a slightly range larger range of um, one off purchases available. Maybe they're a slightly different person from the people who will subscribe or maybe they will like buy a couple of plants from us and then think, oh, actually the subscription is more interesting than I thought and then eventually go and subscribe. So those are all things that we're just like looking at and learning from at the moment.
0: Yeah. And when it comes to your business as a whole, like have you found that social media has really allowed you to connect with your customers on a deeper level? Do you find that you get that more with kind of email marketing? Is there a specific type of marketing that has been more beneficial as a heart-focused business?
1: Uh, So Facebook and Instagram ads are brilliant for prospecting. They're brilliant for making people aware that the brand exists. And, like, if they see an ad, click on the website, like, click on the link and they visit the website, that quite often means that they will see a pop-up and they'll sign up to our email list. So for me, like... I think the closest connection that we get is when we send emails to people because I'm a writer by trade and I love writing. Um, And if I, I, yeah, I feel like for me, I'm a better writer than I am speaker. Um, So that's how I communicate by preference. Um, And I feel like I can put my thoughts very clearly down in one place and communicate very clearly with what I'm hoping to achieve and hoping that people will learn about the brand or about a particular product or... Um, and if you know if it's a blog post that we want to share with people, stuff like that, but it all really has to work together. So we have to make sure that we get we reach the right number of people or the right type of people that they're going to be interested, and then that we're able to continue the conversation. I, I do find that the most meaningful stuff happens behind the scenes. So people will send us direct messages or emails and in those spaces because it's a safe space for them as well it's not public they can say what they really think um and, and they don't come across as a fan like a, a fanboy or fangirl if, if that's not what they want um I find it's people show their heart a bit more when when they're not like in a public arena so yeah
0: I think that that's lovely I think because social media like you've said is such a public arena I think It's really, I find it fascinating and love hearing how um, individuals and audience members are connecting with brands behind the scenes, because some of the conversations that I've had, some of my best friends now have been because we had conversations that were maybe inspired by a social media post, but one of us took the plunge to reach out. And I think the first way that we connected was that I had sent you, I think I tagged you with a photo of my cat with a plant. Which probably sounds about right. And then we had a bit of a conversation in the DMs, and then I reached out by email. I remember that. I remember that was ever such a long time ago now. (laughs) (laughs) The plant is still alive. I'd like to point out. Well done. Well done. It's one of the unkillable ones, admittedly, but still. yeah those are
1: still killable if you're determined enough
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's next to another unkillable that's looking a little worse for wear so all right you need to
1: email your customer service team or we can help you (laughs)
0: um but yeah it's that it's taking it's making it a safe and inviting place for people to come and connect with you and I think that that is something that's super cool when it comes to your heart focused to the heart focused businesses because I wouldn't reach out to a business that I didn't feel that connection with just to go, oh, hey, I really loved your product. Thank you so much for sending this because I'm the one that spent the money. I'm the one that chose the product. But for a heart-focused business where I'm like, you know what? I know like this has really made my day. I am going to message them. And you get that response back. I think that it just carries on building that loyalty and that love for the brand.
1: And that really helps. Like when people do that, you have no idea what well, you do, Tammy. Obviously, <laughs> but like I don't think people realise the impact it has when you when people send you an un like an unsolicited email telling you how much they've enjoyed something that that you've done or that you've sent them. Like honestly, it can like things like that can lift me personally for days. Yeah. So yeah.
0: I love Yeah, it. I absolutely agree. And I think there's the, you see the post go around, mostly around Christmas time, but it's like every time you buy from a small business, the owner's doing a happy dance. And that's so genuine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so true.
1: I, I thought this morning we got somebody, um, somebody made a purchase on the store and it was just a particularly important product for me for, for various different reasons. Yeah. And that person won't even know yeah. They've just made a purchase and like I've seen that they've made that purchase and they've just written a nice little message to somebody that they're sending it to as a gift. Yeah. And like that is like with me for the whole whole of today.
0: <laughs> yeah. So there you go, listeners, your your actions matter. Tell brands that you love them.
1: <laughs> definitely, definitely.
0: Um, so when it comes to growing your business, so you've talked about this a little bit with the outsourcing for the Facebook ads and growing a team. So how how are you, or how do you feel, hang on, I need to word this question in the right way. Um, When it comes to growing your business in a heart focused way, how do you go about approaching like new team members or outsourcing? Because I know for me as a small business owner, where it's just me, I find it incredibly difficult to give away any form of control or outsource to someone else. But how is it that you're kind of approaching that? Because you need a team in order to grow. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, it was, it's, it's always just been about following instinct. Mm-hmm. Um, I found it really difficult at the beginning. Um, at the very beginning of Lazy Flora, I absolutely had to outsource some parts of it because I was traveling so much. So I needed somebody to be the person who would receive the delivery, the plant deliveries, package them up and then send them out. So from, from practically from the beginning, I've had to work with other people on the brand. And every time you hire someone, you learn something about how you should or shouldn't do it. Mm. And I think now, like I'm at a point like there's probably, like, I've probably hired like somewhere between 40 and 50 people right. on rotation, not all right now, <laughs> like not, there are not 40 or 50 people working for Lazy Flora right now. <laughs> but over the course of the last four years, I've probably worked with that many people. Mm. And I'm getting better at understanding and and recognizing very quickly who is going to work well, who I'm going to work well with, Mm -hmm. whether or not they're going to be able to do the job that I need them to do. Um, But it really is like always going back to the instinct. Yeah. Um, If you feel that that person, if I feel that that person is going to fit in with the rest of the team, with the brand, if they get what the brand is about and they get the product and they can predict what products we're going to be putting out in you know six months from now, that's mm-hmm. a pretty indi- good indicator to me that this is a this person is a good fit.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but it's and it all you know ha- having things like um, brand values has actually been really helpful in hiring people. So from quite early on, I just threw down six words that I thought, would be good kind of filters for anyone who is having anything to do with lazy flora um god i'm gonna have to remember <laughs> remember them now but the first just one was like a
0: couple if you want <laughs>
1: yeah so the first the two most important ones i think are kindness and empathy nice. um and now whenever i speak to anyone about lazy flora i introduce them to those values yeah. um, and i ask them to tell me how they would embody those values when working with Lazy Flora. So it kind of as much as anything, it sets the scene for them about what is expected. Like the answer doesn't always matter that much because by that point in the conversation you probably have quite I probably have quite a good idea of whether or not they've grasped the brand values anyway. Yeah. Um, but it sets their expectation as to what is the priority for people working at Lazy Flora. So that's been a really helpful practical technique that we've
0: used. I love that. I love a bit of practical implementation for things that feel a little bit less than tangible because values are such an intangible thing because it is a feeling and it's a feeling that you want to try and convey through marketing and through strategy and through all of these kind of bish, bash, bosh. These are the things that you need to do, but it's a feeling. And being able to find others who kind of resonate with that and being able to align what you're doing to show that without standing there and going, we value kindness, go us. It's kind of making (laughs) sure it is that embodying rather than telling. It's that show, don't tell, which is something that Um, I'm a huge fan of is show, show the world what you want your business to be. Don't tell them what you are because people, people can disagree with you if you state something, whereas if you're showing them and they're experiencing it, and that's the key, it's the experience that they have. Brilliant. So when it comes to growing, we've talked about growing a team, when it comes to growing like your marketing channels and things as well, do you still keep those values at the core or do you have a different approach to make sure that your heart, your heart focus still comes through when you're marketing and selling?
1: uh no I don't think we do have a different approach um it all like everything is led by those values and everything we do is you know there's there's, people might think there's a conflict between ambition and heart-centered brand like you know we've mentioned that kind of touched on that already but actually you know wanting to bring a brand to more people because you think it's brilliant and you think it's something the world needs is like couldn't be more heart-centered, I think. So yeah, if, if you apply that to marketing, we just make sure that we've got this, the values very clear um, and let those leaders.
0: Perfect. No, that's perfect answer. I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's something that I'm very, um, it's a conversation that I've had a couple of times recently for something else that I'm working on with another client where it's, there seems to be this, ambition is becoming either a gimmick or a dirty word in small business. And I don't like that because I think you you can be ambitious and super caring, or you can be ambitious and ruthless. It's not the ambition that makes the difference. It's how you approach it. Um, so yeah, ambition and heart centered businesses absolutely can go hand in hand. And I think that part of that would be inspiring others as well. um, because there will always be other people that do what you do or want to do what you do or do something similar and it doesn't mean that that derails your plans i think not at
1: all no like you know there's that um expression a rising tide uh, carries all ships i might have said that wrong no, but you know no. there's space for all of us there's space yeah. for all of us here
0: yeah absolutely i completely agree and i think that that's something that really is key that if you're sat there and you're thinking that you want to build um, a heart-focused business, but that means that you have to give up on your ambitions, you have to give up on your big goals, you have to only focus on softer touches in marketing, I, I would honestly say that that couldn't be further from the truth. If you have a strategy that means that you have a strategy to get you to your goals, but keeping that values, those core values and that heart center through it, then there's no reason why you can't build a business that's just as successful as someone who builds it in a different way. Super passionate about that. I'll pop this. I love that. Yeah, I love that
1: so much. When, you know, when I was working in the corporate world, my first ever boss, who's actually one of turned out to be one of the most amazing mentors I've ever had in my life, I'm still in touch with her, and that was like 20 years ago, um, nearly 20 years ago. I'm not quite that old. Um, <laughs> um, I remember repeatedly asking her this question over a series of like. Two years, I was like, Do you, is it possible to be good at business and be kind? Mm. Because she was an incredibly kind person and I could see that she was successful. She had a huge amount of respect from her peers, from her superiors. She was doing really well. But I could also see in the same organization people who I would consider not so kind or ruthless or who would not have, who didn't have those values that I, wanted to embody and i was really ambitious and i I was torn between this and i think so often we get that example like and there's so much wrong with politics in the world right now and we're getting these really bad examples of these bad people in very like very powerful positions so we can be mistaken into thinking we have to emulate that in order to be successful and that's not the case at all um yeah like it's the world is a confusing place yeah but Build, build, build your own path.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think that in the in the corporate world, I, I saw it happen so many times where either someone who is excellent at their job, if they wanted to progress, could either choose to change their attitude or change their skill set. And neither of those are optimal. Like if you're brilliant at what you do, and particularly in any form of creative industry, so writing or design or anything like that, my next step to progress would have been management where I would have had to stop doing design, which is where my strength was in yeah. order to do admin. And I'm not, you know, admin, I- Admin's admin, not fun. It's fine, <laughs> <laughs> it is, it's necessary. It's like accounts, but you know, I have an accountant for a reason, um, um, but Well, yeah. some
1: people think it's fun, you know, if you've yes. got the right personality type and if it's what lights you up, then yes. that's perfect. Or, you know, there are some people who love being an accountant, That's not for me. And
0: that's fine. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's the key. It's what lights you up. And I think in the corporate world, you will always, in my experience, I'm going to talk in absolutes because I believe it, you will always hit a barrier where you have to do something that no longer feels aligned with what you want to do in order to progress. Whereas as a small business owner, I feel like that's more upfront. I feel like upfront when you start a business, there's a lot you have to do that maybe isn't aligned with your strengths. Until you get to that point where you can build a team and you can outsource and then you can focus on what loads you up. So it's such a different approach. Um, and yet we get told that uh, being self-employed is harder than being in a corporate.
1: Yeah, well, in some senses it is, mm-hmm. like, but I wouldn't swap it for the world
0: yeah <laughs> <Meaningful>. <laughs> not anymore it's been a year now I just know I'm so happy being self-employed now awesome. I think that's I'd probably awesome. be unemployable <laughs> I don't think so I don't, don't want so. a manager anymore <laughs> I know what I'm doing I'm all good <laughs> no that's fantastic and it's really interesting to hear how you are choosing to grow your business and grow your team um so as you grow and maintaining your values, do you think that there will come a point where you're going to kind of hand anything over? Are you going to carry on making sure that you're at the center of this as well to keep it on track?
1: That's a really good question. And um, I don't have a good answer for you, um, but it's something I think about a lot because, you know, as a business grows, I cannot be like all over it i cannot be the one that writes the emails i cannot be the one that's like approving every social media post so i'm going to have to develop a system that like continues these values in a convincing and authentic way but is not all done by me and i don't know i don't know what the answer is yet but i'm going to have to figure it out
0: yeah and i think that that's a i think that that's a brilliant answer i think that I am again, it's that practical steps to make sure that the feelings are still aligned. So if you can systemize a way that allows you to continue in the way that you are, then I think that that's fantastic. I think that it's just an organized way of being able to maintain those values um, that's not going to burn you out. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah because there's a real danger of that as well,
0: especially right now. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. I think at any point, and I think that if you are a heart-focused business, you may find that these kind of feelings will creep up a lot more than someone who is very um, transactionally focused, because I think it's easier when it's factual as opposed to when it's a part of you. So kind of summing up everything that we've talked about today, I think that the key points in my mind, uh, you can be strategic and heart focused and you can grow in a heart focused way as long as you keep those values that are at your core as part of the growth process. Would there be anything else that you could add to that? I think that that's kind of the key points.
1: I think that's a brilliant summary. I'm really impressed <laughs> that you managed to like condense that all into just yeah. That, I'm utterly convinced. That's, yeah,
0: <laughs> that's well, great. It's awesome. It's it is a much bigger conversation, and I think that anyone that is in a heart-focused business could sit there and talk about this for a long, long time. And I really encourage you to do this, listeners. If you if it's something that you're passionate about, talk about it because you will inspire other people who maybe aren't sure how to grow their business. If they're feeling the same way, um, you can always share your story to inspire, which is what I always encourage on here. Um, So the last thing that I have to ask of you, Claire, is if there was one task that listeners can do today to be more customer centric, what would you say that could be?
1: Oh, that's a great question. One task to be more customer centric. I think I mean, it's a big one, (laughs) but the one thing that you should always be doing is thinking of things from your customer's perspective. What are they looking for and what do they need and how will they feel if they receive it from you?
0: Brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. I love that. And I think that that's something that I would definitely going to chuck into my journal prompts to do just to make sure, because I think that you can do that at any stage to make sure that you're just still realigning yourself with your business perfect so where can the listeners find out more about you and lazy flora
1: Um, so if they would like to go to the website it is www.lazyflora.com and if they are would like to follow us on instagram as well take a look at our instagram account we are at lazy flora uk
0: perfect thank you so so much for joining me today claire it's been absolutely amazing to talk about this with you
1: Yeah, thank you so much, Tammy. It's so nice to finally catch up and chat and I've really enjoyed um, our conversation.
0: Brilliant. So listeners, if you'd like to hear more about Claire and Lazy Flora, be sure to subscribe to the podcast ready for Thursday's episode where Claire will be sharing her brand story and business journey. Until then, I hope that you have found this episode helpful and I'd love to know how you deliver an amazing customer experience and how you get on with finding your customer-centric way of business. So let us know over on Instagram at The Brand Lounge Club or in the Facebook community with The Brand Lounge with Shadowcat Creative. And I will be... In your ears again on Thursday.